Okay, so we've been through a number of principles. We said, first of all, that we're in the world to build a relationship with God by growing and perfecting ourselves. Okay, that's what we're here for. That's, what we're, that, that's, you know, that, that's the whole purpose of, of what we're doing in the world. Growth is not a nice thing, it's an essential thing. Number two, we said that we have to understand the most basic, on the most basic level, understanding ourselves means that knowing we are made up of a body and a soul, each pulling us in different directions, and that growth really means identifying yourself with your soul. I'm recognizing I'm a soul and I have a body. Okay, the more I can do that, the more I'm really growing. Okay, so it, it's managing that conflict. That's what free will is. Is managing that body soul conflict and recognizing that the real me is my soul, and dealing and dealing with that that struggle. Um, then we said the third thing is that the, looking at the the second mistake that Adam made, Adam and Eve, which is denying responsibility. After in order to grow, I have to first and foremost accept responsibility for for my choices. Okay, is that. If I don't accept that, then I'm denying my, my own humanity because my, my, cho- my ability to choose is what makes me human. And if I say, no, it's not my fault, it's my parents' fault, or it's my society's fault, or it's my school's fault, or whatever, so then I'm, I'm, basically, I'm basically saying I'm just justifying the fact that I'm not going to change, I'm not going to grow. Growth requires accepting responsibility. And then last time, um, we talked about the idea that emotions are real but not reality, meaning that it's sort of the, the, way, the proper way to relate to our emotions which is emotions are essential to be a human being. Emotions are what, are what really gives us the petrol. They, they motivate. Emotions, emotions are an essential part of what makes us human beings, but, but we have to understand that our emotions are not necessarily reflecting what's real. I could be feeling a certain way, and it has, no, it has no connection to what actually happened or what actually is happening. And therefore, when I make my decisions in life, I can't make them based on how I'm feeling. I have to make my decisions based on what I know. I obviously have to take my, my emotions into account when I'm making my decisions. How, how I feel about something is certainly a factor, but my emotions can't be the, the, the determining factor. It's, that, it's, it's, a very, it's a very Jewish concept that we have to really, we have to be living our lives with our heads as opposed to with our hearts. Meaning, meaning that, of course, again, your, heart's, your, your heart is one of the factors, but ultimately what, what has the final decision is my head. So whatever emotion I may be experiencing right now, I can still have the ability to choose how I'm going to respond. I can feel angry, but I don't have to yell at someone. You know, I, that doesn't mean, it doesn't mean my emotions don't dictate how I behave. Okay? So fine. So now, the next thing is like this. Um, they did an, an experiment once in an aquarium. There was a big, big tank with a shark. And they would drop in fish, and the shark would see the fish, and the shark would go eat the fish. So they decided to do an experiment. And I've, there's different versions of the experiments actually with different animals. I've heard, this, I heard similar stories with other animals. Um, but they, they put a giant piece of perspex. They lowered into the tank, okay, so that it separated off a section of the tank, but it was clear, so you couldn't see that it was there. And then they, they dropped in a bunch of fish on the one side of the perspex, and the shark was on the other. So this, this, the, the shark notices the fish there and goes for the fish, right? Boom! Smashes his head into the end of the perspex, right? So he comes, swims around and goes back again. Boom! Smashes his head. Swims around back again. Boom! Smashes his head. So after enough times, even a shark, right, gets the, gets the picture. And he stopped trying. He realized that there's no way forward, no way he's going to get those fish. Okay, so after ever much time, um, when they realized, when they were sure the shark got the message, 
they removed it. They took the perspex away, and the shark never tried to go there again. Right? Never tried to go there again. Because in the shark's mind, if you can say a shark has a mind, is that he can't, he can't go there. Right? There's no, there's, that's just, it's, it's impossible to go there. I heard the same thing with fleas. <laughs> I heard the same thing with, with jumping fleas. Is that, is that they, is that Rabbi Vagoda told me this. He says that they, they, they could jump really, really high. I forgot he told me how they could jump. But they put, they put them in a container with a, um, a lid on it, and they would bump into the lid, and then they would adjust. So they would never jump, they would never jump high enough to hit, to hit. And then when they took the lid off, they never jumped any higher again. Right? They would always, they, they, they always jump to, the, to, to what, what the limit was. Shark analogy is better. Shark analogy is yeah. better, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Um, so there's a, there's a certain rabbi... Well, he wasn't a rabbi at the time. He was, a fir- he was in first grade. Okay? Um, but so when he, when he was in primary school, he was a very, very below average student. Okay? Very below average. Um, it's not, he didn't have a learning disability, but he just well, he wasn't, he wasn't particularly clever. You know, there are some kids who just aren't particularly clever. Um, he actually had to repeat the first grade because he couldn't read properly after first grade. So he had to do first grade twice. Because um, his reading skills were very poor, so today this rabbi is—he's a rosh kolo, he's a, you know the head of a kolo. He is a, a posik uh, for a community. He's a halachic, uh, a halachic authority um, for a, a community in Israel, and is, he is known for his brilliant mind and his phenomenal memory. So what happened? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> How, does, how could you have a kid who's like, who's, who's, if you ask the teachers in first grade, what's going to be with this kid? And they said, well, probably not much. <laughs> you know, probably not much. But and, and he, he, achieved, he achieved tremendous things and is known for his brilliant mind. So what happened? Um, so it's like this. Um, there's a big difference between things that are spiritual and things that aren't. The, the, in, in, the, in the early 20th century, conventional wisdom was that it was impossible for a human being to run a mile in under four minutes. Okay? That was like, that was, they sort of, they, they, it was sort of accepted like fact that, the, that in terms of races, is that they basically achieved, you know, there's no one was going any faster. They got it down to almost four minutes, but nobody could break the four-minute the, the four barrier, and nobody ever would. Okay? So in 1954, a man by the name of Roger Bannister. You ever heard of him? Roger Bannister. Okay? He, he wasn't Jewish. He was, he was, he was, I think he was a, he was a British, British guy, British, not Jewish guy. 1954, he, he was the first person ever to run a mile in, in under four minutes. He broke the barrier. I didn't write down here, but very fascinating, very, very fascinating, is that he, so he held the world record, and within a few months, someone broke it. <laughs> okay, someone broke it. So since that time, since 1954, when it was considered impossible for someone to run a mile in under four minutes, 1,400 people have done it. Okay, 1,400 athletes. The current record, I think the guy's from Morocco. It's, it's, from, it's been in, in place, I think, since 1999. Is he ran it in three minutes, forty-three seconds, and thirteen hundredths of a second. Okay, so um, it's interesting. When so- something is impossible, and then when someone shows it's possible, then lots of people start doing it. 
Right? It's, it's, it's an interesting, uh, interesting idea. But even so, okay, we're talking about running. Okay, we're talking about running. So everyone thought that it was impossible to run a mile in less than four minutes. And they were wrong. But what about three minutes? Like, can you run a mile under three minutes? Under two minutes? Can you run a mile under two? Can you under one? Right? There's going to be a point at which it really is impossible. Like 10 seconds? Can you, can you run a mile under 10 seconds? Is that, you know, you, you, you can't... There's gonna, there is going to be a point where actually it really you, you can't run that fast, right? No one, no one can, no human being can, can run that fast. You can, you know, you, the, even physical, you know, even even athletes in like top top athletes in, the, in like the peak condition, like the highest physical form a human being can be in, they have limits. They have limits. You know, you could be the, you know, those guys at the, the, the those weightlifting guys, you know, who like they go. They push you know, like at the Olympics, and they're, they're lifting like ridiculous amounts of weight, like hundreds of kilos. They're lifting up, and they're like, right? The strongest guy in the world is never going to lift an elephant, right? Because you can't, because the, because the body can only do so much. A body, you can't you can't lift an elephant. Okay, the body always has a limit to what it can do. Okay, so that's in physical things. Now, even in even in in, in other things, you know, I, I can't sing. I have a terrible voice. Or I, I, people say, I have a terrible sense of direction. I always get lost. I'm terrible at maths. So all those things might be true. It might be true. I'm, I'm not totally sure. Is it true that there's such a thing as, as pe- there are people who can never know where they're going? They just can't, they have no sense of direction and therefore it's impossible? Maybe, it could be. I'm not totally sure. Okay? Um, but when it comes to spiritual things, it's totally different. So the, the, the Rosh Shiva of the Mir, from, from last generation, a, a, a man by the name of Chaim Shmuel Levitz, he, says, he said, when it comes to spiritual matters, a person can accomplish as much as they want to. Okay? They can, when it comes to something spiritual, so then there's actually no limit to what a person can accomplish. Because, because on the spiritual plane, there are no limits. Right? On the spiritual plane, not in the physical world, there's limits. Bodies have limits. But when you're talking about things that are spiritual, so then, so then you're talking about a realm where you can transcend limits. So this rabbi, he wasn't a rabbi, right, back in first grade, but this, so, so, so how did he do it? So when you're, talk, you're talking about, about Torah wisdom, so that's something which is spiritual. So obviously at some point he made a decision. Right? And that decision was is that he's going to know this stuff. Right? He's, going to, he's going to know this stuff. And I'm sure that he put in a tremendous amount of work. He put in, he put in a lot, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Okay? And he persevered, and he kept going, and he kept going, and he kept going, and he worked hard, and he tried, and he tried, and he tried. And so you, then what, you, know, you, so you have, you have a, a kid who wasn't the most intellectually talented kid, and he became someone who, who, was, who was great in Torah. And, and if you look, if you look at the, the Gedolim, you know, the, the great rabbis of previous generations, there is no question that some of them were absolute geniuses, okay? that they were born geniuses. There are plenty of examples of great rabbis who were born geniuses. But there are also plenty of examples of ones who weren't. Ones who weren't. I mean, you don't have to be a genius. You know? It may help. It may help. But you don't have to be a genius to be great. Right? It's not a requirement. So... Um, he said, Chaim Shmulevitz said that if, it's, if your goal is spiritual, then you can accomplish anything, right? That means that there's, not, there's nothing that you can't 
reach. You know, there's no, there's no, there's nothing you can't achieve. And we're, and, I'm, and we're not talking about like positive thinking. You know, Heifetz, oh yeah, you can do it. Go go go. He was. He, that's not what he meant. <laughs> He's saying that literally, if you're t- once you're in the spiritual realm, is that there's there aren't you don't have those kind of limits. So you have the ability to achieve incredible things spiritually. You have amazing potential. You have a neshama, which means you have you have you have almost unlimited p- potential, and you have the ability to to actualize that potential. Okay, so I'm not saying that it's easy. Right? I'm not saying that it's easy. That it doesn't require lots and lots of hard work. Um, you know, what, <laughs> Rav, Rav Noach Weinberg, who's, who's the founder of Eshet Torah, so his, his, one, one of his rebbies was, um, was one of the Gedolim, was, one, was Rav um, Kutner. Remember Rav Kutner? He was learned in his yeshiva as a young man. And, uh, and he told stories about things that Rav Hutner told him. So he, he said, one of the things he said to me, he, he said to him, he says, he says, Nach, the problem with you is you want to learn the, all of Shas. You want to learn all of Shas in one night. And so he said to him, so what's, what's wrong with that? He said, the problem is you also want to sleep eight hours that night. <laughs> right? Is that so you can accomplish great things, but you can't do it if you're, if you're planning on sleeping eight hours that night. Okay. Um, it takes tremendous determination and hard work and focus. There'll be obstacles for sure along the way. But the principle is that we have to understand um, is that we, we have unlimited potential for greatness. Now, that's important to know. Because if we don't know that, then we're never going to have any aspirations to anything great. Because if we think we really, you know, if we look at ourselves and we say, look, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm all right, I'm, I'm average, you know. So you're not even going to aspire to achieve anything because you don't think that you can. So we have to understand that we, we have unlimited potential for greatness. So there is, there is no upper limit when it comes to spiritual things. It's not like running or, or lifting. There's no upper limit to what you could achieve. Okay? There's no upper, upper limit um, except what we have in our minds. Right? Is that If you get used to the perspex being there and you think you can't go there, so then you won't go there, right? Then you won't go there. So if, if, if you recognize and understand the unlimited potential, what you're saying is any, any perspective, you know, anything which is there is actually not really there. It's not really there. Is that I can, I can, again, I might have to work hard, but there isn't anything which is stopping me from achieving greatness in that way except maybe one thing. And that is the one thing that really can stop me is me. Is me, is I, because I, I have to, I have to really, wa- I have to want it, right? I have to actually really want to do it, which is really the hard part in, in, in a certain sense. Is that, is that if I really want to go there, and I and and I understand that I can go there, so then I'm going to be able to go there. But if I don't really want it, or and I don't really think, and really believe I can do it, then I'm going to end up like that shark. I'm ne- I'm never going to ever try to go there. Okay, so. A, a person will always, will always be as great as they want to be. So, maybe you'll be a little bit less, but you'll never be more. <laughs> right? You're never going to achieve more than your goal. You may achieve less, okay? but you're never going to achieve more. So, the, right, you're never going to achieve more than what you're trying and what, what you're going for. So that means when it comes to your goals and your aspirations, when it comes to growth, is that you have to think big. Because you have to be aware of the fact that you can 
actually achieve big things. You can change. You can change. You can, you can, we talk, we've been talking about it in the realm of, of, of wisdom, of Torah, but in terms of character, in terms of character, we all have things about ourselves that we know are tri- where they're tripping us up and they're getting in the way, and, we kinda, and it's really hard. And we think, well, that's just that's how I am. What am I supposed to do? But we can change, right? We can change, we can grow. Um, we just kind of like, ugh, you know, who's got the energy really? You know, who's got the energy? And what, you know, there's, the, there's, there's uh, one of the things which happened in the Chumash is that Yaakov, right? Yaakov Avinu, Jacob, so he, when it's, there's a, it says when he's going to, look for, going to look for his wife, he gets sent to Padan Aram to go, to go to Avram's family and try and find a wife. And he gets there, and there's a whole story about that the, the, there's a well with a huge boulder on it. And the flocks were all gathering there. It was the middle of the day. And he says to the shepherds, he says, what are you guys doing here? He says, it's, you should be out... You know, it's, it's not finished. And they said, well, we need to, water, to, to, to give water to the sheep. And he says, well, so why aren't you watering the sheep? It's because, we, it's because nobody trusts anyone else here. So there's this big, big boulder on the well, and we can't move it until everyone's here. Once everyone's here, then we can lift it off, and we can all watch each other and make sure no one's taking more than their fair share of water. Right? So when he saw this, is he goes, and he, on his own, he picks up this... This, um, this stone, or what happened was Rachel showed up. That's when Rachel showed up. Um, and, and then he goes and he picks up the stone um, off the well. Okay? So all the shepherds couldn't do it until, they, until there were tons of them together, and he could do it on his own. So was he Superman? Like, what, what, like, what, was, that, what was that story about? So have you ever heard these stories about, like, you know, old ladies, you know, they're like in a car accident, and their grandkid is like pinned in the car, and the car's going to explode, and this lady, see, they pick up the car. The kid picks up the car. Yeah. So you, you see, you have these stories where like people like are lifting things with like superhuman strength. That like what, like what, like how did that happen? You know, my my wife's um, Rebitson was in a car accident. Right? She's in a car accident. Her and her husband were in a car accident, and um, so she so she gets out of the car. And then she walks, she, there was a bench nearby. The car was like, like smashed, and then it smashed up. She, and, she, and she gets out of the car, and there's the bench, and I don't know how many meters away. And she walks over to the bench, and she sat down. And then a, little, a few minutes later, the ambulance shows up, right? Natsala comes, da, 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 and they come, and they say, are you okay? What's going on? And she says, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And they can see like she was in shock, and they said, no, you must, you should, you must come. Today, we're going to take you to the hospital. And she says, no, no, it's fine, I'll, I'll, I'll walk. And she stands up and she collapsed, right? And so it turned out she'd like broken both her legs and both her arms. And somehow she, wa- she walked to the bench, right? On, 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 with two, bro- two broken legs. And then what happened was when they came, when they came to, to, to speak to the husband, later the insurance company came to, to get details from the husband because the car was totaled, the total write-off, and um, they said they said to him, um, "What happened?" I think I think they said they saw the wife there, saw the wife there, and said that she was in the passenger seat. And that's impossible. They said, "Well, it's impossible." He says, what, "What do you mean?" He says, we, we, "How could anyone have lived? We saw, you know, we saw the car. The passenger seat was where the where the impact was. It's like she, how could she even lived?" And he told the story. No, she got out of the car, and they said, "No, can't be." He said, "We couldn't get the car. We couldn't. We had to cut the car door open on the passenger side. 
How could, she couldn't have gotten out of the car. It's impossible. But she got out of the car. <laughs> Nobody knows what happened. <laughs> okay? Nobody knows what actually happened because she got out of the car and she walked to the bench. <laughs> You know, so nobody knows. Nobody knows what actually. How did she get out of the car? Nobody knows. She didn't like climb out the window. How did she get out of the car? You know. So, so what happens in these? Like, how do these things happen? How do people suddenly find the strength to like lift a car? Because you know what? Because sometimes when a person realizes there's no choice, <laughs> they just do it. I don't know how they do it. They do it because they realize that in the, there's like my, there's my grandchild, and she's gonna die, and I'm gonna lift the car. There's, not, there's, no, there's no one else here. It's me or nobody. You know, it's me or nobody, and there's no choice. You know? So if you, really, if, you realize, if you realize that you have to do something, like, I need to do this, and there's no choice, and you have the ratzon, you, like, you have the desire to do it, you know, like, I'm going to do this, so then, you, then you, get, you tap into resources that you wouldn't normally have. Like, did you, they, you tap in, because you're tapping into something which is beyond this world. Right? You're, tapping, you're tapping into sources of strength that are beyond what you, what you normally have. And the, the Gemara says, it says, there's two different Gemaras, both are very, very important and very related. One says, if somebody comes to purify himself, meaning a person wants to grow, a person wants to, a person wants, so it says, they'll help him, meaning Hashem will help him. If, if that's what you want, if that's what you want to do, then Hashem will help you. If you want to grow, if you want to learn, if you want to become, then Hashem will help you. And it says, but the other way, if a person wants to go the other direction, doesn't say, it doesn't say Hashem helps you. He won't help you do that. It says, he'll open the door. He's never going to help you, but if you want to walk through that door, it's open. Right? If a person wants to go the opposite direction, Hashem will let them. They have, you have free will. But if you want to go, if you want to go, if you want to grow, if you want to become great, then Messiah, they'll help him. Okay, they help him. And another Gemara. Gemara says, Gemara says, in the way that a person wants to go, they'll bring him that way. So it's a similar idea. Hashem, wherever you want to go, Hashem will lead you that way. He'll open up opportunities for you to go. If it's in a not great direction, so then opportunities will open if that's where you want to go. If it's in a good direction, you'll get opportunities that way also. Hashem will lead you in the way you want to go. But it depends on you. Right? It depends on you. Everything depends on the person. If a person really wants to purify themselves, if that's what they want, and they're, they're committed to that, so then, so then Hashem will help them, will open opportunities, will give the person the strength to do it. Okay? So, so, a person, so we really need to have aspirations for greatness. We, we have to know that we have the potential for greatness, and we have to really want to achieve greatness. Okay? We have to have ambition for, for, pers- for, for personal greatness. Okay? So that means developing a vision of like who, what I could look like, who I could be. If I was the perfect me, what would it look like? What would, my, what would how would I behave? What kind of a son would I be? What kind of a husband would I be? What kind of a friend would I be? You know, what 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 could I look like? How much Torah could I know? You know, how how much could I do? How much could I help other people? How how wise could I be? You know, I could be patient and not and not get angry. I could be I could be calm and centered instead of anxious. I could be positive and happy. I could be, instead of procrastinating. I could do things when I when I you know. So so this whole this whole thing is completely connected to to Rosh Hashanah. Okay, it's, it's, it's exactly, it's exactly what, where the time we're holding in that, because that's exactly what Rosh Hashanah is about. Because if it's true that a person has unlimited potential, so then, it's, it, then, then Rosh Hashanah is actually the time for that. Because Rosh Hashanah is the anniversary of the creation of, of humanity. Adam and Eve were created on Rosh Hashanah. That's what happened on Rosh Hashanah. God created Adam and Eve, which means that, that was humanity. So every Rosh Hashanah is the anniversary of the creation of humanity, 
and, and Hashem recreates. Okay, there is no, we think that we were here yesterday, so we'll be here tomorrow. We're here this year, so we'll be here next year, but it's not true. Every year we come up for renewal. We come up for renewal. And Hashem looks at each one of us and He decides, are we going to get renewed for the coming year? Are we going to have life? You know, what kind of a life are we going to have? Well, you know, what opportunities are we going to have? And Hashem takes a look and He decides. But, what, but what's the criteria? Hashem looks at Rosh Hashem and decides, is this person going to have another year? What kind of a year do they have? So what's He judging us based on? I think everybody assumes He's judging us on last year. Which sounds like, I don't know if you, you know, I, we're as interesting in South Africa, we're quite isolated in some ways from the, from sort of the broader culture, but I grew up in America where you're like in it, right? You're in it. I grew up watching Xmas shows, you know, December, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I knew all the songs, right? <laughs> okay. So, so the, 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 it's very often we kind of, we, we kind of look at, at, at Hashem as like Santa Claus, right? There's a song I grew up with, that's why I mentioned it. It says, it says, it, it says that he's, he's, um, how does it go again? Na, 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 na. You know the song? Na, 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 na. That's probably good. See, that's one of the beautiful things about South African. Is it says it says it says that he knows who's been naughty and nice. So it's going to determine what presents you get, right? Because Santa Claus knows who's been naughty and nice, right? He's he's omnipotent, Santa Claus. So that's kind of how we look at Rosh Hashanah. He knows if you've been naughty or nice, <laughs> and therefore this year, if you've been naughty, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> okay, you're in trouble. So that's actually. That's actually not the case. What Volby says is that he doesn't judge, he doesn't determine your year by last year. It doesn't go by last year. That's not what he's looking at at Rosh Hashanah. You know what he's looking at Rosh Hashanah? He's looking at you right the second. It's like an x-ray. Okay? There's like an x-ray Hashem takes. When he judges you on Rosh Hashanah, he looks at you right now. And what is he looking for? What is he looking for? I'll tell you what he's looking for. The, the Chazanish said there's two types of people in this world. You can break everyone down into two types of people. Okay? There's those, those, those people who want to grow, and those who don't. Okay? And so, you know, the, the, you, can go, you can go get in the car and you can drive, you know, five, six hours to Kruger Park. I suppose if you go really fast, you can do it in four. Okay, get to Kruger Park. Okay. Okay. And you can go and you can see, we actually were, no, we weren't there, we were in Pillensburg. We were in Pillensburg um, a couple months ago, my family, and we went and we saw, we saw a hippo. And the hippo was like sitting in the water, you know? And, the, and we, sat, we sat in the car watching, waiting for the hippo. The hippo didn't do anything, just sat there. Okay? And then we went, drove around the park for a couple hours. On the way out, we stopped, and the hippo is still standing there. Hippo doesn't do anything. Right? It just sat there. Right? That's all, that's all. And you see these amazing animals. They're really, really cool. But all they really do is they eat, they sleep, they, they, they reproduce. And that's about it. I mean, they go to the bathroom once in a while. They don't, they don't really do much. Right? So, the, so most people, unfortunately, are, are kind of similar to that. Is right. They go to work, you know. They have a Brian on Sunday. They go to Cape Town in December. They watch lots of Netflix, and that's about it. You know, is that? But that's the, that's like that's. <laughs> you're like, wow, that that sounds good. Hey? <laughs> that sounds good. So you know, but so but that's not the life of a human being, right? That's the life of a hippo. Right? That, that's basically being a hippo. He's doing the same thing, you know. You're standing there in the water, looking at Netflix. Okay, so, so, but Hashem looks at us on Rosh Hashanah. What does He want to see? Does He want to see 
Does this person want to grow? Do they have aspirations? Does this person want to be great? Does this person want to actualize their potential? Does this person want to become bigger? Want to become better? Want to live a life of meaning and a life of purpose and a life of growth, a life of spirituality? It says, if that's, the, that's what I created the world for. And so this, this guy, he's, he's speaking my language. If this is what you want, then I should, I'm giving you life and I'm going to give you a life. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you everything you need in order to grow and to become great. And in Rosh Hashanah, we are recreated, which means... There's no limits, which means the only thing which is limiting what Hashem can give us is what we want, right? It's from our side, is that He's infinite. He can give us anything. The only thing which is limiting what He gives us is, our, is us. It's our aspirations, okay? So the, the, the degree of opportunity available for every individual is getting determined on Rosh Hashanah. How much opportunity will you have for greatness this year? And if, if, if you aspire to like, so if you aspire to just amazing things, you can achieve amazing things way beyond your pay grade, like way beyond what you think you can do right now. Is this year you can do much, much more. But you have to just want it. You have, that, you, have to, you have to think a little bit about before Rosh Hashanah, we still have time, is about what would that look like for you, okay? Is that the, the amount of heavenly assistance that Hashem is prepared to hand out on Rosh Hashanah is massive beyond our comprehension. He's prepared to hand out as much as you want, but you have to want it. And you have to say, I want to grow, Hashem. Please give me everything I need to grow, and I want to be great, and I want to... Be... So, so everything is wide open in Russia. Everything is wide, wide open. And we have the opportunity to, uh, to obtain every bit of greatness that we aspire to. But we have to aspire to it first. We have to want to grow. We have to want to do that. And we have to be prepared to work, obviously, to work. You can't, you can't aspire to that and at the same time want to, spend, you know, want to spend your life watching Netflix. It doesn't go together. Okay? It doesn't go together. So, it's a, so either it's a life of comfort or a life of growth. It's one or the other. It's those people who want to grow and those who don't. They just want to be comfortable. They just want to be comfortable. And that's kind of where the world is at. People, it's about being more and more and more comfortable. So I don't, comfort, is, comfort is, no one grows being comfortable. Okay? Comfort involves effort and involves putting in, putting in, working hard and a certain degree of pain. And I have to want that. I have to, because that's, that's being alive. Right? That's what, that's what things, life, wherever, there's movement, there's, that's what life is. If something's alive, there's movement, there's growth. There's, you know, you look at, you look at the, it's amazing, you, you put down the pavement and, and they get rid of all the weeds and then like, you know, it's life, it like fights through the cracks. Like the plants burst through the cracks because if something's alive, it fights. It fights to, it wants to express itself. You have to want to fight. You have to prepare. Hashem, I want to grow. I want to, I'm, I want to, I'll fight for it. I'll work. I'll do it. So, that, so, this, this, so this principle, which is that I can be great, I have to aspire to be great, is the Rosh Hashanah principle. That's what's happening right now. So we should be able to take it, and it's, of course it's any time, but, but now is the time where, where everything's wide open, and Hashem is offering tremendous, tremendous assistance to us. So we should take advantage of this, we should take advantage of this time, we should be able to tap into the power of Rosh Hashanah, and should be able to use it to achieve incredible heights in the coming year. Hmm.